This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the program. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, Stephen Bennett will be back with us for our year-ender show, as he was a year ago. Stephen Rudd's Mid-City Plumbers has decades of experience under his belt and will be delighted to take your calls about anything and everything that's wrong at your house. Stephen Bennett and your calls coming right up, but first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Apple has been in the crosshairs for over a week now over the huge pushback they've received after an announcement that they'd slowed down their old phones through updates. This week, Apple said, though it has never intentionally shortened the life of its products, they recognize that some customers feel let down, and they apologized, and then threw in a long explanation about battery life. Bottom line, Apple will cut the prices on battery replacements from about 100 bucks Canadian down to 35 Anyone who owns an iPhone 6 or later in Canada and needs their battery replaced will be able to do so at the reduced price starting in late January. Apple has also posted new support on information on its website for iPhone users to learn more about their battery and replacements, and there'll be some new software early next year as well to give users more visibility into the health of their phone battery. Don't you just love the way apologies sound? <laughs> Last week, we covered the overpriced bread story and the PR gesture from Loblaws and others now like Save on Foods who are going to offer $25 gift certificates to customers in the new year after Loblaws admitted to price-fixing the cost of bread for over a decade. To be fair, Savon and Sobeys and other grocery chains have not admitted to any wrongdoing, but some are participating in the giveaway anyway. While all that is going on, there are several class action lawsuits being considered or organized across Canada, and there's a lawyer in Montreal who's warning us all to be careful and read the fine print before applying for or accepting those $25 gift cards. Joe Zuckran advises people to be sure they're not giving away their rights to sue by accepting that free card. Mr. Zuckran says he believes there's a lot more money at play there than just a small gift card and wants people to be careful. Loblaws and again some of the other food chains say that accepting a gift card will not affect your right to participate in any future class actions or to receive any other court-awarded compensation. There are a lot more layers to this story than we first thought. The legal advice here is simple. Be careful about giving away your personal information when you go to get one of those gift cards. And also be patient. This stuff could take years. The cards will come up in a few weeks. This just in from, of all places, the Canada Border Services Agency. Apparently, there's a spaghetti scandal afoot. And they're on the case and investigating Turkish pasta. The feds are looking at a Turkish pasta product, which is priced much less than Canadian competing products, to the point where it's being called unfair. The Canadian Pasta Manufacturers Association, which has sounded the alarm on the Turkish products, says the price difference is so much it could undercut and hurt Canadian pasta producers. The International Trade Tribunal will have something to say about this claim of price gouging in February, and the Border Services folk say their investigation will be finished by the end of March, and we will keep an eye on this one. 
B.C. Senator Nancy Green-Rain is trying to get a bill passed by Parliament to restrict food and beverage marketing aimed at Canadian kids. This one is called S-228, and it's supposed to be a tool for the federal government to use to reduce obesity rates in this country. Hey, wait a minute, you say. Don't we already have laws about that? And the answer is yes. But those are, at very least, in need of an update. The bill has reached second reading in the House of Commons, and if passed next year, still won't have any teeth for two more years. Both the food and beverage industry lobbies have been making the case the new laws are too restrictive, including that it would ban marketing to young people under the age of 17. The minister responsible, Jeanette Petipa-Taylor, says her government sees children as victims of marketing. But she will also work to ensure that sponsorships like Tim Bits Hockey will receive exemptions. The Trudeau government is confident this bill will get done next year. Those are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. We'll look at a few more later on in the program, and we'll have a steel report for you later as well. Up next, Stephen Bennett joins us for The Year Ender. Stephen will take your calls on just about anything wrong at your house. Now, I have to point out in advance, uh, millennials in the basement is a problem that Steve is still working on. Water in the basement, on the other hand, Stephen can talk to you about all afternoon. Sterling Fox with you on CKNW. I've been in doing the morning show for John McComb this week. Um, Boy, it has just been so socked in, we haven't been able to see literally your hand in front of your face for the last couple of days. And all of a sudden, we're back to where, well, we're back to the reason most of us live here in the first place. Just take a look around today. It's just a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And uh, unlike the rest of the country, uh, it's quite civilized on the temperature scale too we're about three degrees it's 214 it's a real pleasure to say hello and welcome back to Stephen bennett from mid-city plumbing heating and drain services better known to our listeners as mid-city plumbers Stephen, welcome back it's good to hear from you again <laughs> thank you sterling so let me tell you let me tell our listeners a little bit about you or perhaps why don't you tell our listeners about you before we start taking their phone calls and I should let our listeners know that we did this last year it was our our gift our holiday gift to our listeners and Stephen came in and we just took calls for an hour about literally anything that's wrong with whatever in your house uh, the millennials in the basement thing Stephen I know it's a it's an ongoing situation uh, tell us a little bit about your background over 30 years of experience in the business uh, a lot of time uh, up in Kamloops uh, you ran a Roto Ruta business up there, came back down to Vancouver. You've been teaching for years as well. And I remember last year you were telling me that when you started Mid City Plumbers, you were looking to hire as many former students as you possibly could. Is that still the case, Stephen? Oh, absolutely. Yes, what it is. I indentured, I took them from the private colleges, I indentured them, put them through PDC, that specific vocational college in Burnaby. And from that, from that point, they've been now traveled through with their courses. I've I've uh, taken them all the way from level one right to level four, and now we launched Mid City Plumber. So as they graduate and red sealed, I give them a franchise for free under the Mid City name anywhere in Canada. We've launched eight franchises in the last three months. So you mean there are Mid City Plumbers now in a, n- a number of other Canadian cities b- b- that are staffed by people who are former Stephen ben- Bennett students? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, and all the, actually the. Uh, Alberta was just signed last week for from St. and Nate. Okay. Instructors of St. and Nate, which were my ex-employees from Kamloops. So they've launched uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Fort McMurray, Kelowna, Vernon, Penticton come online. We've got Abbotsford East and then Abbotsford West and we have Vancouver. Where's home base in Vancouver? Vancouver it would be in South Vancouver. Okay. 
Yeah. And uh, so now last year, the big difference between the tone of our conversation this year, Stephen, and last year, of course, is the weather. Uh, I, I, it's kind of like a bad dream. But, you know, last year at this time on this day, as a matter of fact, we had two feet of snow on the ground. It was blinking cold and there was more on the way. So a lot of the phone calls and a lot of our conversation last year, Stephen, focused on how to deal with intense snow concentration around the house and there was a lot of advice about that fortunately at least so far we're not going to have to deal with much of that unless we start getting some calls from the fraser valley where of course uh people are still struggling without powers this afternoon yeah the problem we're still having i know it's out there is that customers we see every day they're failing to remove those hoses from the frosty hose bits and that's going to cause real flood issues again we're going back to that same topic you know when it gets cold and it doesn't matter what hose that you have, what type of hose bib you have on the side of your home, detach your hose as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you're forced to frost back up the line into the structure where you'll split the internal of the, of the, the copper or the brass. So if, and, and, and I remember this from last year too, uh, something as simple as, and we all do it, I mean, most of us around the house somewhere have a, a, a tap with a garden hose attached to it, and we just leave it. Some of us have a little mounting thing that, on the wall that the hose fits on and all the rest of it. But, you know, we don't think about it. It's the hose, for crying out loud. But once the temperature drops below zero, you say, get out there and just disconnect the hose. It's all you have to do, but disconnect the darn thing. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It causes a lot of plum causes a lot of plumbing damage and and never mind like we talked about last year again, is that once that cross hits and it forces the frost back up the line, it will cause the inside of the house will split. You won't notice it, but when it comes springtime and you start to use your you turn your frost free hose bit back on, you'll start to water the grass or wash your car. At the same time you'll also be watering fifty percent of that water inside your house. By the time you come back in, you could flood, you could actually sail a boat inside. Oh my! Okay, and and of course, it's nothing that you're going to know about until no. it happens. Until it happens, when it happens, and it's a lot of damage and unnecessary as well. So it's a simple task. It's just out there. I know a lot of people. I don't have a lot of properties that, but people leave their hoses attached. And, and that's big, big problem. Okay. Now, let me open up the phone lines before we carry on. i got a few more questions for you, but let's make sure that our listeners are as involved as they want to be this afternoon because here we have free advice from a guy who just just has all the answers. It's kind of astonishing. Uh, I've talked about you to a few people. At, 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 I, I'm, I'm a good friend with Shell Buzzy, who, of course, is well-known to CKNW listeners over the years. And you yeah. are, to me, a sort of like the second coming of Shell Buzzy because you're Shell just Buzzy. just that knowledgeable a guy. Yeah, Sal Buzzy knows, knows who I am as well. We met we met at Camels many years ago. Oh, he's a good man. Yeah. And so yeah. are you. So let's uh, let's open up our phone line, 604-280-9898. Ben Dooley, Dwayne Bishop in the control room. They'll take your calls and f- fire you through to Stephen and me. Uh, 604-280-9898. So what's wrong at your place? Something that a pro could probably tell you how to fix, or at least, Stephen, and here's something that we're always curious about, is put a price on it. You know, if there's something going, on if you've got water in the basement for example already and it really hasn't snowed much yet um yeah. uh, what's it going to cost to get rid of it that's something that people need to know don't they yeah plumbing heating questions especially heating this time of year we're doing everything from some of the high efficient boilers condensing non-condensing boilers high efficient furnaces 
if you have any heating problems, give me a call. Okay, 604-280-9898. Your calls are most welcome to Stephen Bennett about anything that's going wrong at your place. And Stephen, we were talking about something as, as simple as disconnecting a hose, which seemed, uh, which will take all of a minute or less, uh, and, and which could, pre- would, could prevent a very expensive problem uh, in the spring. What other common mistakes do we make or do we overlook at this time of year as we attempt to switch into winter mode and we just forget little details? Tell us about those. Well, that's, that's the most common that, that happens. Also, there's a lot of construction that goes on, and, and we talk about uh, pulling permits and, and having proper plumbing inspections. I highly recommend to do that. It doesn't matter which municipality that you live in the Greater Vancouver Regional District area, but make sure you pull permits that you know your plumbing is done correctly by a professional, by a trained professional. Right. And I also have, definitely highly recommend, which I've noticed a big problem in the last year, is doing gasoline or doing plumbing. As a consumer, you, you have the right to ask somebody for the credentials when they come to the door to ensure that's what you're paying for. I'm finding out that there's a lot of guys, a lot of service companies out there doing the work, and when they get to the door, they don't have the credentials to be doing the, doing the work that they're doing. Ah. It's a very serious problem we've got going on in Vancouver right now. And, well, uh, people passing themselves off as, uh, as qualified tradespeople, and they're correct. not. Correct. So when I go to the door, it doesn't matter which customer it is. I'm working with gas. I'm working with, uh, with, uh, with plumbing or electrical. I produce my credentials at the door, show it to them that they're, what they're paying for is what they're getting. Right. And uh, I would imagine that, um, uh, of course, if people check you out online, and we're, you know, the, yes. today's consumer is a pretty informed individual, uh, a yes. lot of people will, you know, they'll do the Google search for plumbing and, and uh, right. uh, some kind of help. I'm in trouble here. Uh, and, and, of course, on the website, if they get to midcityplumbers.com, yes. well, then, of course, they find out about you and your experience right. and, and all of that sort of thing. But it's a very smart idea, Stephen, to have those credentials uh, ready to present at the door, and it's not out of line at all for any nope. homeowner or, or a resident of a property to ask to see a tradesperson's credentials before they're admitted to the home and to have a discussion about whatever work might be involved. That is correct. That's, that's the smartest thing I can advise all, all people of Vancouver. You're paying top dollar. Make sure that you're getting what you're paying for. Make sure you've got the right person at the door that has the credentials to be doing that work in your home, to make your home safe for you and your family, and especially the, when it comes to gasping, especially when it comes to heating. Right. And if the person at the door shows some kind of either reluctance to produce the credentials or gets angry because you asked to see them, you're dealing with the wrong person, aren't you? You are absolutely you just ask them to leave. Can leave ask them to leave. Because yeah. you don't have they shouldn't be paying any sort of trip fees or anything like that at all. We certainly don't do that in Mid City Plumbers. We don't charge trip fees to come take a look at what your problem is. Interesting stuff. Let's go to yeah. the phones because we opened the lines and said we would. Bonita yeah. joining us from Vancouver Island. Hello. Hi, hi guys. Merry Christmas and a good happy New Year's. Well to the you. same to you, Bonita. Thank you. Um, I'm a renter, and there's a few things um, wrong with this particular unit that I'm in. Um, Are you in an apartment or a home? It's 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 a it's a, it's. It's sort of like an apartment home. Okay. <laughs> I've got the suite upstairs, and then the downstairs one is vacant. Uh, okay. We have a septic tank. We're on well water. Now, yep. I'm going to just ask the the recent thing that's come up. Okay. Um, in the last, like, eight or nine days, um, I've noticed um, that the toilet bowl, uh, when it's filling, only fills uh, halfway to what it normally has 
done since the three and a half years that I've lived here. Um, I've gone online and, and checked some things out, but I thought I would call you guys. I lifted up the back of the, um, uh, at the back. The, the tank there? The, the tank, yeah. sorry. Thank you. And um, it, isn't, it isn't the one that has the ball. It's, um, it's, it doesn't have a ball in it that, that some of them do. Okay. My landlord said it was a more modern one. Um, yeah. Now, I'm just wondering why um, it, it's all of a sudden just filling up halfway to what it used to after flushing. And, and when I lifted up the tank lid, okay. I mean, it looks like a swamp in there. And where the water comes up to fill the bowl, it yeah. looks like it's just filled with algae and all sorts of stuff. And I'm wondering if that's what the problem is. Ah, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What you've got there is probably with a, a style of a fill valve called a fluid master, and yeah. it, does, it rises up and down by itself in the corner. It doesn't use the old pivot arm. That's the old, you know, I call them antiquated, old style. Uh, with the early, ball. Early years with that ball. Right. The ball okay. that floats up was right. always uh, was, a, was reliable, but then it had its own problems by being in the way. So they've gone to different mechanisms, which goes up and down. Now, some of those mechanisms, you can rotate them, uh, turn the water supply off, you rotate them, and inside, in the, in the very top of them, there's going to be a little black seal that you would pull out, rub it in your fingers gently, wash it off, put it back in, and then she'll start to actuate and do more. The other thing is that particular type of valve is adjustable. There's there's different different there's either screw adjustment or there's when you pin and you move it up and down a guide or a slider, which will increase your water level back to where it should be at. Um, is there a problem with I've, uh, I've noticed where the water comes in? It's it's like a pipe. A- a pipe, and then the water. I'm sorry, I'm not very articulate with it. Uh, the, the, You're doing a great job, Bonita. I, I, I couldn't do any better myself. The pipe comes up, and then and then there's a black valve where the water pours out, which fills into the pipe and fills the, the bowl. Now that that particular pipe, it looks like it's just filled with algae. Um, uh, it's quite we're, atrocious. We're is there something that I could do for that? that? Okay, hang on. Yeah, that, that is what you have is your water quality is not the best. And that's well, you've got so it's your culturing bacteria and stuff that's in the water mm-hmm. and that's what's starting to grow inside the tank. You can mm-hmm. turn your water off, you can, you know, use chlorine, a light four percent ratio with a with a brush, gently clean it, turn the water on and let it, let it rinse down into the bowl. That's how you can freshen and make that make that look nice. If it goes in the overflow you'd obviously have to get some sort of narrow brush to go up and down what's called the silt that's on the uh, overflow tube. And the overflow tube's job is when, the, when as the water's filling, it fills up the back of the tank. A percentage of that water goes through the overflow tube, so it freshens the bowl. Okay, I was thinking of doing that, but I thought if I if I you know did like a brush, I thought that I may be pushing some of the algae further down into a into even more of a mess. And I was wondering if I could just pour a little bit of bleach in there and not do any like pushing with a brush. Oh yeah, you can you can do that as well. But the brush will definitely get get the material moving and get it flushed okay. down right into the bowl and flush okay. it right down. And that's what you should do. Is is if that's bothering you, if you did that, flush it. Use a little, little bit of chlorine. Definitely okay. do not use any hot water. Hot okay. water will also cause the uh, the thermal expansion of the porcelain and she'll explode. So be okay. very careful with that. Just use only okay. cold water with a little touch of bleach and just rub it around with a little toilet brush or what have you and get it cleaned up. Stephen, okay. can, can Benita fix this herself or is she going to need to call a pro? I can. Oh, no, she, she can do it herself. I thought there. so too. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I'll have to do it myself because... Um, uh, that's the way that it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she always, always give me a call after, after the show here. She'd send me a photograph. 
I can give her a jingle back and let her know what type of device and walk her through each step on how to raise and lower the liquid levels and make it more so she feels safe and comfortable. Oh, okay. Okay, so what you need to do then, Bonita, is remember the website, which is midcityplumbers.com. And, Stephen, your contact points are all there, and Bonita yeah. can just uh, pull the website number off a uh, contact uh, on, and uh, give you a call. And if yeah. necessary, you can walk her through the, the process. Wow, exactly. that's a very generous <laughs> offer and a great, great call. What are people calling the office at Mid-City Plumbers about most these days in the last weekend of the year? Well, the most of the calls are going through right now, is, as, as uh, I think we've talked about in the past, is that we've got a, it's a heating season. Everybody's indoors where all the families are in store, snuggled up to that fireplace, enjoying, enjoying their, their company, and all of a sudden their heating system fails. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's an on-demand system or they're going to be a forced air heating system, a boiler system, they're having their failures, and they don't know what to do. Well, I'm here. I can answer those questions. I can even walk you through how to solve a lot of those problems yourself without having to pay big, expensive repair bills. Yeah, you know, we were talking about how uh, a year ago when we did this uh, year-ender open line fun thing, we had a lot of snow around, and we don't have that now. But, of course, it's still December, Stephen, and you're absolutely right. We, we're kind of a, Heating's kind of a priority. Now, fortunately for us in this very, very different part of Canada, are not experiencing the polar stuff that everyone else in the country is, minus 20 degrees in, in most major Canadian cities this weekend, Stephen. It's going to get below zero tonight and tomorrow and so on. But it's still, I mean, we still have to have heat. And so what is the biggest problem uh, at this time of year? What's the usual thing that goes wrong? Well, first of all, the main thing that most people need to do is they need to be aware that they have filters in their furnaces. And that's that's number one. And it's that simple to do. Change out your filter, replace your filter, wash your filter. Depends on your, your filter device itself. You can wash them. You can buy it with the medias that you wash and, and simply put it back in. How and often, right Stephen? Oh, that's redundant. And, and but Vancouver, it depends if you're in a construction area, has a lot of dust flying through the air, yeah. dust flying through the air. You should be doing it once a month, every 30 days. Oh, really? If, if you're just standard residential, I do it every three months. It's a good practice. It keeps the air flowing through your furnace so you're not operating your furnace on what they call limit, which means you're increasing the heat temperature inside the furnace box, and so it starts to operate on limit. And that's very dangerous because that's where you crack your heat exchanger. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people think it's a thermostat operating when actually it's the actual furnace. It's going hot and cold and hot and cold by itself because it can't get the airflow to cool the heat exchanger. Interesting, so really because and, and those furnace filters, I mean, I, I don't know that there are any too expensive. The ones that, uh, that fit our furnace are really cheap. You can buy three for like 12 bucks. Yep, yep. There's, there's the, that's a they're very expensive tossaway version. You don't wash those. Yeah, exactly. That, of, and you slip them in there. And it does, after, after three months, four months, and you look at it and you see the dust and dirt or dog hair built up on it, Toss it away. You know, just put a new one right in there and keep that furnace running fresh and clean. You know, a really good thing to use is uh, I usually use the guys over at Sweepies uh, and uh, different companies like that and, and uh, to actually clean the filter system or kill, clean your, your duct work that goes to your furnace. It's good to keep those fresh and clean. You'll know, should be cleaned, you know, every three to five years. That's all the duct work in your house. So that it keeps it, it that the air circulates is healthy. It's not full of bacteria, contaminants, and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Let's go back to the phones and in, include some more listeners in our conversation this afternoon in Vancouver this time. David, hello. Hello. This is David, and I want to report that I did something stupid, and then my son made it worse by doing something more stupid. Uh-oh. What happened? I was, I was impatient. My son and his wife had been living with me for a year, Okay, and she's got long hair, 
And he says, and I said, I well, get it out. And in the end, he ran off to do something. So I did the old method with the coat hanger. Uh, we're talking about clearing a drain, I hope, right? Drain, right. Oh, hair, okay. Long right. hair. Okay. All right. So I, so I got the coat hanger. My friend says, well, put a little tiny knob at the end. So I pushed it down. It was all soft and mushy. And I said, oh, there's the hair. I pulled it, and I couldn't get it out. So when I came home, I said to my son, why, this has been a year you've been living here. Why didn't you do something about it? And I did this, and he said, boy, you're stupid. So it was me stupid, and I said, well, you're stupid for cutting it off. Now I've got the hair's been out because he brought me this little little saw that's now available in my day, never heard of it. And I, he got all the hair out yeah. and then left it there, like for me to clean up. I'm his maid. I'm an old man. Uh-huh. And uh, so now there's this coat hanger that's hooked inside and it's out he cut it shorter than when i put it in so now it's about a half inch i mean about an inch outside the drain and i'm trying to work it and i can't do it oh, so, you, so you've got you've got the hair all, the, all out of the drain but <laughs> the, the, the the hanger you used to dig the hair out the hanger's now stuck in the darn drain well no he he came along and he took his toilets there and uh he put it and then he did. He had one in Calgary when he lived there, but he came back to Vancouver with her, uh. and uh, he had it. And he went and got he got one and brought bought it and did the job around the hanger and left it all. He didn't clean up the hair. Right. That's, he's well, just a mechanic. He doesn't get into the crap. All right. Well, okay. Now, Stephen, <laughs> first, got the story. Yeah, we we do have the story. Now, hang on a second there, Dave. Now, Stephen, I was being kind of facetious at the yeah. beginning of the show when I said, yeah. you know, millennials in the basement. I don't know. <laughs> Stephen's still working on that. Water in the basement. He'll talk to you all day and all night about it. Well, yeah. we got a millennial in the basement situation, Mr. Bennett, uh, yeah. with, a, with a hanger stuck in a drain. So what are you going to tell David to do here? Uh, hey, David, is that drain in the basement of your home? Is that in the basement? Hang on, let me just there you go. Floor of my of my second bathroom in the house I live in. Okay, so what he's got there? What he, what they used was this uh, little device you can get Home Depot and stuff. It looks like a like a, a like a sawtooth idea. It's like off of a shark with a shark with a long saw, and, and yeah. you slide it down. You pull the hair back, comes out real sweet and easy. All right. So he's got his, he's simply he's got to work. He's got to get that drain. There shouldn't be anything that's going to be actually. It's a, is it a bathtub or is it a shower? No, it's a bathtub. He got he got it out, left all the hair in the bathroom. But yeah. my stupidity was that I stuck it in there and. The little hook that my friend said, oh, put it in to pull it out, yeah. it's hooked. And I've jiggled and jiggled and jiggled. I can't get it. Ah. He's the millennial. He's the millennial. Oh, I know that. I'm the old man. <laughs> no no question about that, David. We figured that out all by ourselves. Okay. okay so in, in either he's, what he's got is the older brass assembly type of drain systems, bathtub assembly. So simply that the, the he's gone through, he's hooked the, the uh, brass in a way that he's going to pull aggressively enough to be able to straighten that hook back off or, uh, or bend it in a way with what you've got left and then and it'll start to need those pliers and try to bend it so that it actually pushes up and lets go of the edge of the plumbing. Because each one of those fittings that when they put them in the old days, they're threaded in. So they've got lips and edges. Sure, yeah. So whatever little hook that he's he's put on the end of it, he's just miraculously travels down there and hooked the edge of the pipe and as he's trying to pull it doesn't want to let go. Right. So he has to sort of push it forward a bit and sort of bends up and pull it back. That's what it is. It's the edges, the sharp edges that are that are manufactured on those brass uh, drains way back then. All right, is this helping, yeah, I David? Need, I might. I'm afraid I might need a whole bathtub because he, <laughs> I cut it a bit and he cut it. So there's, I've got a pair of strong pliers. There's about an inch and a half coming out of the 
out of the yeah. drain now, and I yeah. don't. I'm pushing as far as I can go, but I, I, I don't think it's lot. If he had left it longer, like Mister Stupid did me, yeah. and he would be less stupid. But we're both stupid. That's the problem. <laughs> You know what's going to happen to that coat hanger? If the wire uh, coat hanger, it's going to be like a fish hook. It's going to rot. It's going to, and you'll be able to pull it right out. After. Right. So That's what's the trick the, here? I mean, if you, is David going to have to have a, a pro, a plumber, come in there and do this job, or should he be able to pull it out oh, himself? He, he should be able to do that himself. Uh, it's got the right the right gear for it. If, I mean, it might be sticking out a little bit right now, but if he doesn't use that to shower, eventually it's going to rot away, and he's going to be able to pull it. It's just going to come right off. It just would be just rotten metal. Right. If it's if it's brass, then it would be something different. But I'm sure it's just a wire hanger. It's, it's going to be a light metal, and it's just going to decay. Is it a, is it a wire hanger, David? Yeah. And okay. You know what? I appreciate your suggestion because stupid doesn't stupid get, and I appreciate because that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you. All of us appreciate yeah. your phone call. Uh, yeah. that, that was just terrific, David. <laughs> the best of luck. And I mean, this happens all the time. People oh, do yeah. this. Well, you know, just get a coat hanger. You know, it'll feed us straighten out a coat hanger or a paper clip, straighten out a paper clip and stick it in there. We do this all the time, Stephen. Everything's yeah, nice, smooth, too, but they have joints. They have text. T's, 90s, and each one, there's another glue joint if it's ABS, and the same thing can happen. But on the brass, it's not going to be forgiven. Once you go past it, it is a lift. You're going to catch it, and you're going to get stuck. I wanted to ask you about a product, not to you know put any, any kind of threat about yeah. your, your your work or anything, but there's, yeah. there's a product out there, because when Bonita was talking to us from Vancouver Island last half yeah. hour, she was talking about using bleach by way of right. maybe cleaning up some of the gunk in her toilet bowl. Right. Uh, and, and there's a product out there called Liquid Plumber, and others like it. Are they good products? And I'm asking a plumber about Liquid Plumber, and I know it's... Uh, what's the deal with these products, okay, Stephen? When you talk to cost, about caustic acids, they are bad. They are terrible. They will eat through the plumbing and the plastics that we that they're manufactured day like nobody's business, especially if you've got anything that's a light-gauge plastic. It'll be all heated by the time I get there. I've got acid all over the cabinetry, acid everywhere. Everything's burned because they think that that's going to solve all. It doesn't. You know, that, that caustic acid, not only does it, it destroy your plumbing in that, and yet it can take care of some plug-ins, blockages, but it's eaten way up your pipe at the same time. Okay. It's not like it's a protective shield. It's metal, and, and it's got glue. And these things get eaten by the acid, and it takes it apart. So next time you use it, next thing you got water pouring through your walls of your house. Seen it a thousand times. The the problem with the the, the caustic acids as well is it it neutralizes the digestive process of your sanitary sewer. So what bugs are in there? They're eating the grease and eating the debris that's building up. You now kill them all. Now it's all going to solidify. It's the same as using a lot of caustics in your laundry. It does the same thing. And why some sewers get bad grease build up because it's so much ass in there, nothing can live. The real healthy product is to use live enzymes. You get them at the home uh, at uh, Home Depot and different uh, different product lines like that, where it's it's actually you use them on septic fields. You know, I said put it down the drain, okay, through the drainage system. It brings in live bacteria. It starts to digest it, and it eats all that scum and slime. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't do is doesn't get rid of hair. Well, Nord does liquid plumber. It's you know I pick them lines and pull them apart, and there's the big globs of hair like we just for the last. Well, what's, what, as long while we're listening here, listening to David yeah. tell us about his his woes and his millennial. And- and all of the uh, issues with the drain, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, this. A lot of people, when they get a hairy, gunky drain, I'll just right. put a put a bottle of liquid plumber no. in it. That'll melt the darn thing. No, it doesn't. 
It doesn't. It layers. But that's what people think they should do. It does. Exactly. It doesn't. I have 33 years of rotor rooter plumbers, and that's what I was. I cleaned every drain. We have cyclist equipment and quarter inch cables and gentle cables to go down the line and actually keep turning where you were trying to send a coat hanger. Well, it it does it manually. So you're feeding it down with your hands, Mm -hmm. it's rotating, it grabs that hair knocks it up and pulls it all out like a big rag. You know, I pulled out I pulled out some over five feet long of hair, high rises of just long lengths of hair just been building up for years. Oh boy. That's the safest, most reliable way. So gentle cable down the line by a professional, clean the line thoroughly from there to the, to the sanitary main and you're perfectly fine. And you'll it won't for years to come. You won't do damage to your pipe. You just get all the debris out while you're flushing with water, and it makes it clean, healthy again. Yeah, Benita, Benita was absolutely. talking about having using bleach, and you didn't raise any objections yep. to that. So clearly, bleach as an as a cleaning agent is much different chemically from the liquid plumber types. Well, no, it, it does the same thing. It what the what we use bleach for in the, in, the, in, in activating our water mains in for large areas is we have to flush them. We have to use a four percent ratio with water and flush this the potable water systems so that it kills all the bacteria. It's designed to kill the bacteria. Don't use bleach. Especially when using bleaches and if you have a caustic acid like liquid plumber, you put bleach into it, you create a toxic bomb in your house like okay. you've never seen. You'll be evacuating your home. The fire department's gonna be there. The ambulance is gonna be there because it's it's it creates an acid gas. Oh you mean mixing bleach and oh, liquid plumber. Yeah that oh, sounds a little yeah. toxic, doesn't it? Eh? Extremely toxic. Okay. Uh, looking at the forecast for tonight, low of minus one for New Year's Eve. Oh, it's going to be a nice night tomorrow. The fireworks and all the party down at the waterfront is going to be clear. Uh, but it's also going down to minus four tonight. So if you're planning on uh, participating in the big show, the really big show down at the waterfront, dress warmly, layer up. Uh, also, sub-zero temperatures for the next few days. So, uh, again, the emphasis back on the heating system, Stephen. Yep. And uh, what other proactive things can we do to just make sure that we uh, we eliminate or bypass uh, the heating malfunctions that are, are, are problematic? Yeah, the problematic one. Okay, we talked about the filters. The next thing is every every September, October, Fortis BC has a great program out for giving incentives, uh, rebate programs to replace uh, antiquated old systems, but also to service and clean the existing system, to just go through a thorough check, make sure it's clean, make sure that your, your fan-induced motors and all these things are clean and ready for the winter. You cannot, and even after clean, you know, you, you cannot predict when an electronic device is going to fail, and there's no way they can determine as well. The trained professional, you don't know. You just make sure it's functioning, that's clean, that your flame sensors are clean, ready for the winter. You know, these are important factors. It's a matter of looking at things, but it's a matter of cleaning things, too, as a trained professional. And you know, the uh, most, most if- common is is the the flame sensor. Okay. The flame sensor getting contaminated by, you know, dirty fuels, build a white carbon onto it, but it can't sense the flame. Well, that's a simple little rod that you slide out. It takes a, it takes you as a homeowner probably less than five minutes with a little screwdriver. On most units, you slide it out. You take a light nail file and you just scrape the top of it so it's so shiny metal again. Slip it back in. You're up and running again. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about those, those, those. Uh, what did you call that? That the part that the homeowner can clean in less than five minutes? Because there's flame also sensor. flame sensor. Flame. There's is there not also a flame sensor on the hot water heater, which in many homes is fairly close to the for the furnace. So if you're having yep. your furnace serviced and those flame sensors checked, would the professional coming in to do that automatically check the flame sensors on the hot water heater as well? 
No, not really, because that, uh, the water heaters are going to run off of uh, you know a standing pilot, which is is going to be a you know it's it runs twenty five millivolts, and you can go ahead and test them, but usually wait for that to fail and then you replace them. They're a very simple part; they don't cost that much money. Oh, a thermal okay. Couple, a thermal couple is how they're operating. The furnaces run off of HSI, a hot surface igniters, you know, and spark ignition systems nowadays. So they don't have a standing pilot in, and losing fuel. It's all it's all high efficient. Okay. Well, again, you know, uh, uh, again, if you live in an older home, uh, yeah. and, and a lot of us do, uh, then the, the, it may be a different set of priorities, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just thermal. I'll do a look at a furnace, the older furnaces, and even in practice of that, they don't have a flame sensor. The older furnaces will be uh, metal venting, which puts it 80% plus efficient. And those type of units there, most likely I will replace the thermal couple. That's a standing pilot. I will replace the thermal couple as a standard practice and still keep the old one there for the customer as a backup. Oh, I see. Okay. So so you, and you don't need to throw stuff out then necessarily no. just because it's being uh, replaced. Right, correct. Yeah, I'll mark it as, as still still good. So it's there as an emergency backup. It doesn't cost much to do, but it guarantees you you're going to make it through the heating season without making up an emergency phone call. Almost out of time here, Mr. Bennett, yep. and I'm just looking for sage words of advice. Other mistakes that we typically make at this time of year once it gets cold and we spend more time indoors and pay less attention to details in some cases, yep. okay, in a lot of cases. Uh, what, what, what other big mistakes do we commonly make that we should avoid? Or at least, how do we fix it? Um, just making sure that you isolate your water sources that are traveling to the outside walls that are feed. If you have the ability to do so, shut them down. If you don't have the frost-free hose bib, make sure you shut off your internal shutoffs. Ah. And drain the liquid out, keeping keeping it safe. You know, they, the, the old school ones are still great, and it's uh, running. You'll see the hose bib on the side. It's just a simple faucet. Looks like a sediment faucet. Well, inside that, you're going to have another another shutoff inside. Make sure you get access. You shut it off. You open the faucet on the outside. You let the water out of the system. You gravitate them to the outside. And that way, you're still safe. You still got to detach your hose. Don't forget that hose. Interesting stuff. Stephen Bennett, a real pleasure to have you back with us, sir. It was a lot of fun last year and just as much fun again this year. Some great calls. And as always, just incredibly practical, rock-solid advice. Happy New Year to you, my friend. And to you as well, to your listeners. Stephen Bennett from Mid-City Plumbers, and uh, the website there is midcityplumbers.com, and uh, all sorts of terrific information about Stephen and his colleagues. And if you want to give him a call, uh, and of course now he's he even made the offer on the public airwaves, if you got a problem... Take a picture, send him the picture, and he'll give you a call and talk about it. That's pretty darn cool. Stephen Bennett, our year-ender gift to our listeners and your calls. And that was fun. MidCityPlumbers.com. Next week, I suspect our phone lines are going to be at least as busy again with the senior lawyers from the Zuckerman Law Group in studio to take your calls and talk family law issues. Time now for the Steel Report. And today, Nikki Reitmeier guests host and has a look at the liquor tax. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is your Steel Report. This Sunday is New Year's Eve, and maybe you plan on raising a glass of cheer or two. But come the morning, it won't just be your head that hurts, it'll be your wallet as well. Chris Sims, the British Columbia director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, said that most people don't realize how the cost of liquor is taxed. 80% of what you're spending on that spirit, on things like uh, whiskey and rum and vodka, are taxes. 
With wine, it's between 65 and 70%. So if you're buying, say, just keep it easy, a $10 bottle of wine, about 7 bucks of that is going to government through taxation. And the price is set to keep going up. Bill Morneau at the Finance Department uh, federally in Ottawa wants to put an escalator tax on all of our beer, wine, and liquor. Um, and that means he doesn't need to consult the House of Commons. Every year, forever, your taxes are going to go up and up and up. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation have launched a campaign against the escalator tax. To find out more, you can always visit their website, noescalatortax.ca. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and that's your Steel Report. Thanks, Nikki. Steel and Drex, weekdays 2 to 6 on 980 CKNW. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. It's resolution season, and a new poll from CIBC indicates a lot of us are going to focus on paying down debts as our top priority next year. 25% of those polled say reduce or eliminate debt is number one for them in the new year. The next largest group, 15%, say paying their bills on time and just getting by will be their top priority. I'll bet most of them live in Metro Vancouver. 13% say they're going to increase their wealth next year. Also on that list, saving for a vacation, 8%, retirement, 7%, and 6% said a renovation project or house improvement tops their list. The survey was done in early December, right around the time Bank of Canada the governor Stephen Polos told us that high personal debt lets are debt levels rather are one of the things that keeps him up at night. Finally, as we head towards our New Year's Eve festivities tomorrow night, you might want to know that if you're planning on going down to the waterfront for the big Concord New Year's Eve celebration and fireworks show, you won't have any worries if you get hungry, because the biggest food truck festival of the winter season will be part of tomorrow night. About 20 of the city's top food trucks will be lined up to enhance Canada's largest New Year's event. That's right. In addition to the trucks, there will be lots of entertainment and activities, including street performers, musicians, etc., usual Two fireworks displays, the first at 9, the five-minute show for families, and then there's the really big show at midnight. And keep in mind, too, transit is free on New Year's Eve. That is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley. Dwayne Bishop is at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 o'clock for another edition of Vancouver Consumer with the Zuckerman Law Group. And from all of us involved in this program and CKNW, Happy New Year. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.